Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts. I'm your Bible teacher today, and we are in the book of Mark, chapter 16. We're in the conclusion of what has been a life-changing series. We have called our study of the book of Mark, Walking with Jesus, and today we come to the end. And friends, I have to tell you, uh, this entire series has changed my life. It has strengthened my faith Uh, perhaps more than any series we have ever taught through, because that's been the theme through the entire book, is growing our faith. And I hope that if you've walked through the book with me, well, I hope you find that your faith has grown as well. So I'm glad you're with me today. This is part two of a sermon called, These Signs Shall Follow Those Who Believe. I hope you enjoy today's edition of Awakened to Grace. And Jesus rebukes them and says, how is it that you have no faith? How is it that you are hard of heart? Why? Because they just saw one of the greatest miracles of Jesus, not once, but twice. And instead of looking to the supernatural ability of God, they only looked at the natural limitations. And Jesus is going, are you kidding me? I am the bread of life and I can provide it for you. And yet you won't even ask me. How do you not have faith? That's what Jesus asked. And then we come to chapter 8, and it's the pivotal point of the book. And Peter has this great confession that thou art the Christ. And then we follow him through the triumphal entry, and we follow him through the cleansing of the temple, and we follow him through the teachings of the temple. And then we come to Calvary, and they all forsake him. John, the beloved, is there, but Peter, he's denied him three times. In the courtyard after the garden of Gethsemane. And they've all abandoned him. They've all forsaken him. They've all ran away. And yet Jesus doesn't write them off. Amazing. And you remember that godless chief priest. You remember? They crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph of Arimathea. And the converted Nicodemus, the Pharisee, they take the body of the Lord Jesus Christ off the cross. This broken and bruised, bloodied body. They wrap him in linen. And they lay him in a tomb. Joseph's tomb. And you remember what the chief priest says? He goes to Pontius Pilate and he says, we remember his words. In three days, he says he will rise again. Put two Roman guards and seal the tomb. And friends, I want you to hear me. The enemies of Jesus remembered his words when his followers forgot them. And here are the disciples. We saw it last week. There's the evidence of the empty tomb. There's the evidence of the Roman soldiers. There's the evidence of the angels that rolled the stone away. And then there's the eyewitness evidence of the women. And now there's the evidence of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And yet their hearts are hardened. Hardened. 
And they still will not believe. And still they do not remember the words of Jesus. And yet we come to church. And yet we read our Bibles. And yet we sing our songs. And yet we pray our prayers. And yet many of us are hard of heart. Because when it comes to God working in our life, we stop short. And there's a, yeah, but. Yeah, but. Would Jesus rebuke us for our lack of faith? For our hardness of heart? When we who are in this building today and many watching online, when we are Christ followers ourselves. Let us examine ourselves. But see, here's the beauty of Jesus. He doesn't write us off. Jesus rebukes them for their lack of faith. He rebukes them for the hardness of heart. But then he's going to turn right around and he's going to speak vision into them. He's going to commission them. Remember in John 21, he says, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. (laughs) I mean, you're talking to the biggest cowards on earth. You're talking the men who split during the Garden of Gethsemane. Men who, who they're, they're hiding in Jerusalem behind locked doors. Do you remember what the angel told the women last week in, in, in verses 1 through 8? We studied it. The, the angel said, tell his disciples and Peter, go on to Galilee and the Lord will meet you there. And they didn't do that. Where are they? They're in Jerusalem hiding behind locked doors. And look what Jesus tells these cowards. Look what Jesus tells. If you and I were hired by God to recruit men who are going to turn the world upside down, we wouldn't recruit these men. And I want you to look what Jesus tells in verse number 15. And he tells them to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all creation. Are you kidding me? He's going to take ordinary men Average, probably, let's be honest, less than average. Peter was a, Peter was a, he was a fisherman. I'm not going to say that Peter had a beer gut, but I'm going to say John outran him. I, I, I picture Peter having a big gut on him. He probably wouldn't like me saying that, but I, I don't know. I tell you this about Peter. He cussed out that little girl. You remember that? They were sailors and they could cuss like sailors. Peter wasn't ordinary. He, I think he's a little less than ordinary. Remember what, they, remember what they said about him in the book of Acts? These are uneducated. These are unlearned men. Uneducated. They were less than average. And yet Jesus is going to. Fill them with the Holy Ghost. And Jesus is going to use them to turn the world upside down. Isn't that something else? And I want you to look at the, what he says to Number one, if you're going to take notes, he gives the church a great mission. And you know what the mission is? Go. Go. That's the mission. Go preach the gospel. Spread this life-changing, this life 
life-giving message of the hope of Jesus Christ. Go! That's the message. And what an exciting and thrilling thing it is. That mission is for you. That mission is for me. That mission is for all believers. John Piper said it so well. He said, we are either going to go or either we're going to sin, uh, send or we're going to disobey. We are going to go, we're going to send, or we're going to disobey. I'll just be honest with you. I do not have the mental capacity to translate Scripture for a language that doesn't have the Bible at all in their language. I do not have that. Men- I, the Lord did not give me that kind of intellect. I am very appreciative and maybe even a little jealous of those who have that kind of brain capacity. But the Lord didn't give me that. But do you know what I can do? I can't go in that regard, but I can send. I can send. The end of this month, or the end of May, uh, our brother Danny Thompson is going to be talking to us about Good News Jail and Prison Ministry. For over 25 years, he's been a full-time chaplain with Good News Jail and Prison Ministry. I was with him up in Abington in the fall, and he was doing a great event. And uh, his uh, former pastor that he worked under until he moved here, he, he stood up. I, I just laughed. He said, Danny is so committed to prison ministry, he spent more time behind bars than murderers have. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Either we're going to go or we're going to sin or we're going to disobey. The gospel message is clear. Go do it. Action. Friends, faith is a verb. It is action. And do you know why God is blessing our church to the degree that he is? Because we're not about our four walls and no more, right? We're not about just what happens within this space. No. The Bible, listen, so many churches, they have this field of dreams mentality. If you build it, people will come. That's not the gospel. The gospel is go into the highways and byways and compel them to come. That's the gospel. What God blesses is not what happens in here. It's what happens out there. You know what we do in here? This is like a big locker room. We get the game plan. We make adjustments. We high-five each other. We encourage each other. Right? But the real work goes on out there. Beyond the walls. Friends, are you spreading the gospel where you work? And I'm not talking about taking the largest family Bible you can have and hitting people over the head with that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being salt. I'm talking about being light. I'm talking about being the real deal. I'm talking about being authentic. Do people look at your life and see Jesus? Because you know what the fact is? See, you and I have carved out time out of this Lord's day to come and study God's word together. But you know what the fact of the matter is? For most people, the only Bible that they will ever see 
that they'll ever read is the Bible in you and the Bible in me. We better be the real deal. Either we're going to go, we're going to sin, or we're going to disobey. The gospel mission, the gospel message is clear. Go. God has not saved us to sit in these chairs. That's not why he saved us. He saved us to go out there and make disciples. So he says, go proclaim the gospel. Baptize. In Matthew it says, baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're to baptize people. In other words, we're to disciple them. We're to follow them through. It's not just getting them saved. It's getting them discipled. And now I want you to note this. I want you to note the miracles of the church. You have the mission of the church. The Our message is clear. Our mission is clear. Preach the gospel. If Christ is lifted high, he'll draw all men to him. We're not to uplift our church. We're to uplift Jesus. This great article that came out in today's paper about next Sunday's Healing Sunday. uh, Let me tell you, we're, we're not to lift up our church. We're to lift up Jesus. Who can heal? Jesus. Who can set free? Jesus. Who can transform? Jesus. Not the church. Jesus. All right. The miracles of the church. Well, what are the miracles of the church? Now, nothing has brought more confusion to people than these scriptures right here. Let's look closely at what he says. Jesus says, in my name. Now, that's big right there. Because, again, you know what that reinforces? We don't do anything in our name. We do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where is the authority? Where is the power? It's in the name of Jesus, not ours. We don't do anything in the name of preaching Christ. We do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. If I took your checkbook and I wrote a check out of your checkbook and I signed my name, is it valid? No. Why? I don't have the authority. Do you know why we pray in Jesus' name? Because that's what has authority in heaven and on earth. Not us, but Jesus. In the name of Jesus, what's going to happen? You're going to cast out devils in Jesus' name. Let me tell you something. You don't think this generation, you don't think this culture does not have demonic activity going on in it? The church better know how to take authority over devils in this generation. You'll speak with new tongues. You'll take up serpents. And they won't harm you. If you drink any poison or deadly thing, it will not harm you. You'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now this has caused a world of confusion. There are many misguided Christians who get these all wrong. Have you ever heard of snake handling churches? Oh, Oh, Lord, help us. You ever heard of that? Sometimes people will ask me, they'll say, well, what kind of church is preaching Christ church? What kind of church are you? They'll say, are y'all a snake handling church? Well, you know, the cables that run all the, the musical stuff from the back sound booth all the way to the stage, you know, those are called snakes. So when people ask me for a snake handling church, I say, yeah, we actually have 100 footers ran all the way through the ceiling. 
We like the, the big ones there, the hundred footers. <laughs> people misunderstand. Listen, people who think that you can take up snakes and it's some kind of faith thing or drink poison, some kind of faith. No, that is no different than Satan taking Jesus on the pinnacle and saying, cast yourself down and let God catch you. No, that's tempting the Lord your God. You don't tempt the Lord. You don't tempt God. That's foolishness. But let me tell you the purpose of these verses. We see these things in the book of Acts. We see demons being cast out in Jesus' name. What happened when they were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost? They spoke with new tongues, and people from every language and culture heard the gospel in their own native tongue. How could that have happened? The power of the Holy Spirit. Paul, you remember when Paul was carrying the wood on the island of Malta and the viper came and bit his hand and, and latched onto his hand and, pipe, and, and Paul shook that viper off into the fire. And everyone said he's going to swell up and die and the venom never harmed him. And see, let me tell you, my friends, these verses, they're not mystical, they're not sensational, they're not crazy out there. No, you think about this with me. You take a, God, a godly missionary who's serving Christ in some foreign land in a hostile environment. And you take someone in a Muslim land or a highly hostile region toward Christianity. And that missionary goes to dinner and someone unknowingly slips poison into that dinner And God preserves his life, and it doesn't harm you. You're telling me that the Holy Spirit can't do that yet today? Absolutely not. We're not talking about things that are crazy and sensational. We're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. And my friends, it's the same yesterday in the pages of the Bible. And it's the same today in our generation. And it will be for all of time. Amen. We often call Acts. We call it the Acts of the Apostles. But no, my friends, it's the Acts. Of the Holy Spirit. And these things that would make us kind of scratch our head. Listen, it's not weird and it's not odd. It's just the Holy Spirit being active. The Holy Spirit being active. Nothing more, nothing less. So God gives his church a message. Preach the gospel. And God gives his church miracles to confirm that gospel. Does God do miracles today? People who don't believe that we are still living in the pages of the Bible, they are called cessationists. They believe that everything has ceased. Friends, I don't believe that the book of Acts ever came to a close. 28 is the last chapter of Acts. Friends, I believe we live in Acts 29. Until the harpazo, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we say amen to that? And I'm not a sensational preacher, I don't. May 1, when we do this great community 
Sunday where we invite the hurting to come be prayed for. I don't, I'm not looking for sensational things. God may do more things that our physical eyes will never see that heaven knows. I'm not looking for great emotionalism. It's not. God doesn't. No. You know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for what the Bible tells us to look for. For fruit that will remain. Fruit that will abound. Transformation in people's lives. But how does God bring that transformation? Through the preaching of the gospel. That's how he does it. That's our mission. It's our message. But God also still does miracles. He touches people's lives. I'm not going to say the name because I would never embarrass someone, but we prayed for a lady this week. When I talk about a healing Sunday, I need healing myself. I'm a diabetic, and I need healing. But I don't just mean physical healing. This, as I learned this lady's story, if I were to tell you her story, and if I were to tell you what happened to her as a little girl and as a child, you would gasp audibly. I did. And if you and I could understand the trauma, and if you and I could understand the hurt in this young lady's soul, let me tell you what she needs more than anything. She don't need a cute church with cute chairs and cute music and a polished preacher. No. She needs the Lord Jesus Christ to touch her. Period. We have nothing to offer her except the gospel because nothing else will change her life except the gospel. It's everything. But see, hear me. Miracles mean nothing apart from the message, the gospel. There are people like her with great emotional hurts. There are people with mental health issues today. Oh, the, you don't think Satan is not on a rampage right now with mental health? He is devastating families with mental health. Devastating them. You don't think Satan's on a rampage with drug addiction right now? It's devastating. And I want to ask you, my precious church, are we going to hold the truth of God's word in our laps Sunday after Sunday? And are we going to pray our prayers? And are we going to nail prodigals to the cross? And are we going to sing our songs and sip our coffee and sit here as though the Lord has never risen? I can't do it. I can't. The book of Mark won't allow me to do it. I can't go on like business as usual. I can't do church as usual. No, I've come to a decision point. Let God be God. Let God move the way God desires to move. Can we say amen today?
Have you visited my online store where you can find books, music, sermon series, and so much more? I hope you'll go there today, awakentograce.com slash store, and keep checking back because our resources that are designed for spiritual growth are always growing. awakentograce.com slash store.